We serve a good God, church. Amen? Uh, I know I say it, and, and it's definitely just a humble deal, but we are very blessed to have such a powerful worship team like that that is in tune with God, um, that can easily take shape of different, different modes of leading and ad-living and different things that happen when you when you get lost in worship. Last week, you probably didn't even realize that we were doing a song, and then in the middle, we started doing a different song, and, and what you didn't realize is that song that happened was something that happened during, during a, uh, when we were just getting prepared at 8.30, and God gave us something. He downloaded something in our spirit, and we gave it to the church in that moment. I don't know where it's going to go from there. I, I'm just, you're, you're sitting in an open heaven moment at this church because I'm telling you right now, God's trying to say something, and he's saying it through his word, and he's trying to say something through the worship. And it's what we're going to do. It's what we do with that. If you weren't here last week and there was a table with, with this white, white guy right here and two crazy women, if you didn't hear that sermon, y'all need to go check it out. It was called Look Again. If you didn't hear that sermon, you need, to, you need to do whatever you can to look again. I'm going to go into the next part of it. It's just going to be a part two that's, that's look again. There's nothing special about, like, the different title. It's just look again. I don't know if you, when you, I feel claustrophobic. There's my son. What's up, buddy? Can you all see the back of this? That's Chiefs. There you go. No, Chiefs. <laughs> How about them Chiefs? But the mirror, when you left, if you were here, you had an opportunity to look in the mirror. Pray for me because I got this open tooth thing going on. I did something to my tooth, and it's in my nerve, and it's shooting all down my, down my face right now. And I've still got this nerve thing down my leg from when I was shoveling snow. I, I did something to my back, and it's got something tight in my leg, and it is painful. And that's whenever we shoveled snow. But I'm still fighting for Sunday. <laughs> Whatever it's going to take, I don't care if I'm here hurting and I'm getting, I'm going to talk. I'm going to get it out. But you got to look again because the mirror, man, there's nowhere to hide in the mirror. I mean, I can see all kinds of people back through there, through there. If I turn it a little more, you see me more. Hi, hero. I see you through that one and that one. You're this way, but where are you? This way, there you are. <laughs> But you've got to look again because if you don't look again, that scripture was saying at the beginning was that <clears throat> basically you hear the word of God and if you don't do what you hear, it's like a person, a man or a woman looking in the mirror and turning around and not realizing who he was or what he just looked like. Did I have that chief jacket on? 
and not even realize. I mean, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy to, to look at. Speaking of chief jacket, I got to, I can't do this. I'm hot. It's nothing like, oh, leave it on, whatever. Here, watch your mouth. I, yeah, my wife got a got the, a Super Bowl ring from last year, and I told Tyree that the Eagles are still on here, 35 to 38. They lost, but they're on here still. Um, but that's uh, miracles happen. Okay. I'm burning up. You see that too? It's lamb. Look again. I'm going to go into something different. I'm going to talk about a pivotal like scripture in the Bible that was that changed. You guys ready today? I'm going to try my best. I'm going to hold on to my jaw and um, go through this because just bear with me, please. Sometimes it can be very, like I said, claustrophobic when you got to look and all you can see is the mirror. There's nowhere to hide when you have to look at what? You can't blame nobody else but yourself for the actions and anything. Well, he made, no, I chose. Well, if it wasn't, nope, I still went that path. You can't hide, you can't point all the fingers because they keep coming right back to you. There's a scripture, and I'll, I'll kind of set it up a little bit. <coughs> the nation of Israel. Um, and Joshua was given the inheritance that God promised so many centuries ago to the people who were walking into the land. He was dividing the, uh, the parcels, the, the, the lots. He was dividing the lots. This is finally after they conquered and they went into the promised land. Now Joshua's walking around. Uh, it ain't a small walk because it's all of Israel. And they were dividing these lots. They were casting lots to decide which tribe will live on what lot. And he's casting these lots. And one person um, takes an, an initiative. His name's Caleb. And and. I want to read you basically kind of what he said, kind of his speech, what he was saying, and, and that, that he made to Joshua. Joshua's, get, like I said, he's casting lots. They're almost like rolling dice, and there's stuff on these, these blocks, and they're, they're casting, seeing what tribe's going to live in what area of the land. And so Caleb is coming to Joshua to have a conversation because he's trying to convince him that he's supposed to live in a certain place. And so he's going to tell him thanks from his, I guess you would say his resume. Try to get a job and you got to put out a resume from your last experiences. What's funny is some people don't even put out all their stuff. They don't need to know that one. That one didn't work out very well. But this one's a good one. If I talk to this guy, he's pretty nice, but I won't, I won't refer this guy because, he'll, you know, he's going to tell him. But he's got this resume that he's trying to basically tell Joshua, Caleb is trying to tell Joshua some stuff that he's supposed to live, like I said, in a certain place. And he's going to tell him <coughs> some, some things and reflect on things that happen. And, and I want you to hear some today. It's in Joshua 14. Joshua 14. Um, in, in, in verse 6. 
Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, man, that's a weird name, <laughs> the son of Jephunneh, then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, let me, let me, let me stop real quick. I wonder if it's, if it's significant and that, that it's Judah. Then Caleb in the tribe of Judah, because Judah ex- <coughs> represents praise in the Bible. And I wonder if there's something about praise that helps us get into a position of the promise of God. And I wonder if some of the problems that you're focused on right now, if you would just get into a place of praise, that you might see the solution a lot clearer. Come on. Come on. Let me say it again. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the kin is night, I can't even talk, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, your servant, sent me from Kadesh Benar, Benea, sorry, Kadesh Benea. I was a young man. I was 40 years old, which is weird because you don't think of that. You're like, man, they went in and they were spying out the land. He was 40 years old spying out the land. Sometimes we think in our mind's eye of like just wondering like they were real young. And If you're in your 40s, it's a good time. I was a young man in my 40s, good-looking young man in my 40s. I was 40 years old when Moses sent us to spy out the land. I brought him word again as was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me make the hearts of the people melt. And yet I wholly followed the Lord your God. Basically, I didn't let it get to me. What they said, I didn't let it get to me. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot trodden shall be an inheritance to you and your children forever, because you have followed the Lord your God. And now behold. Behold. What's behold mean? Stand in awe and be amazed. Now behold. The Lord has kept me alive just as he did these 45 years since that time. That's a long time to wait for a promise to come to pass, church. That's a long time to suffer for someone else's disobedience. 45 years, I I survived the wilderness. (coughs) I've been 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke to his, his word to Moses, uh, Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am 85 years old. I'm still strong today. 85 years old. Basically, I'm still flexing. 
Now, if you're older and seasoned in this room, please believe God still wants to use you. You still flexing. He still got you. You still can be used. I'm 85 years old, and I'm still strong today. I'm still strong today as I was the day Moses sent me. My strength is, is now is my strength when I was <coughs> at war and going and coming. So now, church say, so now. It's been a long time coming. So now, give me this hill country, which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard that day how <coughs> Achim were there in the great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. And then Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron. To Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for his inheritance. Caleb had to go and pull, remind Joshua, because Joshua and Caleb were the ones that went with some other people. And remind him what, what the Lord said to Moses. Church, I want to tell you one more time, you got to look again. you got to look again. It's great that we get to see how God made a nation it, 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 God makes a nation. He forms a nation. Basically, God's saying, I, I, want, I want a people that can uh, present me to the world. I want a people that can present me to the world. And he didn't do it a typical way. Because if you want a great nation, you would pick a rich one. A wealthy one. And yet instead, he makes a nation that was great, greater God formed a man, not formed, but he found a man that was too old to have kids and a wife that was barren in her womb and created a nation out of an impossible situation. Church, you got to look again. God found him. When God found Abram, this was before his name even changed. And he went by Abraham. He was the father of many nations, but God called him and when he called him, nothing was working right for him. Nothing was going right. God called him and said he's going to be a father of nations and are going to have kids. And this is an old man now, talking about him and his wife are going to have some kids. Like, it's... It wasn't all working right. And what's crazy is sometimes God will speak something over your life and you will look in the mirror and not see it. Well, hold on. I'm this age and my wife, there's no way. She's been buried. We haven't had no kids. We passed kids. We should have great grandkids. You're going to tell me that we're going to have kids. And sometimes he'll speak something into your life and you'll look in the mirror and you won't even see it. It doesn't seem realistic to you. He'll speak something over your soul and you'll look in the mirror and won't see it. Which is so important to know that it's not how God sees you that determines where your life ends up. Man, if that was the case, Moses would have never died in the wilderness. It's not how God sees me. 
It's how I think God sees me that determines where I end up. It's how I think God sees me. See, all the way from Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. God needed someone to show the world that he looked like or else he would just be a concept. God needed someone to let us make man in our image. He needed someone or it would just be a concept. Uh, God would just be a, uh, an abstract theory. So he made man and woman to reflect who he was. He needed someone to show his nature through. So he made you and I. Some of us look in the mirror and like, God, you got a sense of humor. That's some crazy stuff. <laughs> so he made you and I. And what's crazy is when you insult the product, you insult the manufacturer. He created us. He chose you. He's the only one that stooped down to create when he spoke everything else into existence. He spoke words into existence and then stooped down to form you. He spent time with you and then breathed life into you. That's why it's good to know he made, he made me in the dust. That God took something that seemed filthy and made something reflect what is eternal. Look again, church. When it doesn't add up and you don't feel it, look again. He took the dirtiness and made something eternal. What do you see? Then after making the man, he began to create not only the world, the man, but a nation through Abram. Through someone who seemed unlikely. Someone who was unlikely. The nation of Israel spent a whole lot of time trying to figure out what we try our whole lives to figure out. What a lot of teenagers and young adults try to figure out is what is my identity? What is my identity? So what you really see in Joshua 14... It's not just people getting some real estate, but they, they're coming into an identity. A national identity. It's hard because they've been through so much that they started from something so small. It's easy for them to see themselves according to what they've been through or where they started. It's easy to see yourself from what you've been through. That's what we identify with because the hurt speaks louder than the praise. And now they're breaking up. There's nine and a half tribes that get land. And now Joshua and the priest are shaking these, these, uh, these pieces and casting lots, these blocks. They're shaking them up and they're throwing them down. See, they would take things and shake it up and in these little blocks with different codes on them, and they would kind of shake them, and, and they fell on the ground, and, and it, it meant what tribe would get what land and what it represented, and, and they just went with it. 
the crazy process, and they would all be wet uh, there with the priest, and, and Caleb was leading it, and they would shake it up, and they would say, this is what you get, this is what it said as we cast the lot. See, when Caleb interrupted the process, he's like, hold on, hold on. You're not going to figure out where I live by rolling the dice. Hold on, I have a promise. Hold on, I need to remind you of the promise God gave us. When we went, before we were even here, we were here before. Hold on. Don't roll the dice on me. I got a promise, and I need to remind you of that promise. Moses said, now remember, uh, Moses was, was one who was supposed to lead the people into the land, but was unable to do it. <coughs> he was unable to do it. I guess here's how I put it. Um, he got them out of Egypt, but never got Egypt out of them. You ever heard that saying? I got up out of the ghetto, but the ghetto is still in me. <laughs> you got me up out of the ghetto, but the ghetto is still living inside of me. And, and no matter what your past is, it's like I got up out of this past, but here's the problem. If something dying of, if you're not dying of the flesh and living by the spirit, that past is going to rise up in you. When something goes wrong in your life, it starts to rear its head. And then you find yourself acting like you used to when you was bound. Look again, church. Who are you? So good. And, and what's crazy is because, like, it was hard for them to get Egypt out of them because they were so oppressed for 430 years. The code of dreams, when, 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 Joseph, when they all went over to Egypt to get saved because there was a drought and all this stuff was happening, then they changed hands in Egypt and he just made them slaves. Pharaoh made them all slaves for 430 years. So that's why they would complain after they see a miracle and like, oh, we got three meals a day, even though, you know, at least we got three meals a day. We could be in Egypt right now. And God was still trying to give them the promise. They got to look again. I'm not bound. They got to look again. You're the, the richest nation on the planet. God allowed you to get set free from Egypt and you took all of their gold. With no place to live, you were the richest nation carrying all the gold of Egypt. Because his promise was still standing. And the reason they got Egypt still in them is when Moses finally comes off the mountain, he looks down and he sees all that gold that they received to help them achieve things in the future. They were making an idol. Mad as could be. What are you doing? And when you've been under something for any length of time, when you've been under the power of influence of any length of time, that influence becomes your identity. When you're under some, that, that influence becomes your identity. Be careful who you hang with, church. Look again in the mirror. It becomes your identity. You heard those sayings before. Show me your closest friends and I'll show you your future. You are who you hang out with. You hear these statements. It becomes your identity. So now, your addiction speaks more 
to you about potential than God's word over you? I will. Your addiction speaks more to you about your potential than God's word over you. No matter what that is. Spread your mind out on addiction. It's not all about just some doing drugs or something. There's tons of them. It speaks louder to you. You're, you're, what are you looking at? Look again. Then, then, then the God and his word over you. Then the prophetic gift that's inside of you. It happens to all of us. When you've been suffering from something, you can begin to take on the name, and you've been suffering for so long, you can start taking on the name of the disease or the issue, trading the name of the creator whose image you were made of. When you start suffering and you're, you're taking on all that, you start taking that stuff on. Just like the woman with the, what was her name? Woman with the issue of blood. Nobody knows her name because that's all she took on. You start taking on other stuff. Take on the names of the problems you face. Instead of the creator in his image who created you. But see how you see it is how you're going to see yourself. How you see that is how you're going to see yourself. Yeah, did I tell you in the beginning that my, my tooth, I got an open nerve that's shooting through my life right now? Yeah, but I'm not sitting here complaining and dragging. That's not my identity. He's my identity. He's my identity. It's not going to stop me. Does it hurt? Absolutely it hurts. But I can't stop. Does the leg hurt? Absolutely. Can I figure it out? Not yet. But what am I going to do? Just give up? It doesn't matter. I have to keep moving. With or without healing, I still got to move. Look again. Let me show you. The reason people didn't go into the land under Moses is because Moses really never saw himself in the image of his creator. Abram did. Abram did, even though he, he had a hard time getting with it, Abram did, even though he was, he had to wait for Isaac, and he messed up in the process, ended up producing something that caused him more trouble by sleeping with Hagar. Read the stories that would blow your mind. Abram did, even though all that happened, God still called him the father of faith, the father of many nations. Even though all that happened when he didn't stick with his wife and he chose to go to Hagar and sleep with her and produce something that wasn't supposed to be produced because that wasn't the promise of God, he still blessed him. And to show him who he was, he brought him out of his tent out of his limitations, out of his situation. And he said, here's, here's a revelation. Here's your situation. Here's your revelation. Here's your situation. Get outside of your situation and now look up. 
Get outside of your situation and now look up. Church, I'm trying to speak to you. I don't know what your situation is, but you got to look up. You got to look up. Look up. Look again. Get outside your situation, Abram, and now look up. Look up and count the stars if you can. Count the stars if you can. I don't know how far he got before he's like, what's the point? I, I can't count all these. I lost track at three, 400. Is that a star or is that Starlink? Um, <laughs> Skynet, either one. Um, <laughs> I'm throwing old movie terms at you now. I lost count. What's the point? Get outside your situation and look up. And God said, as many as they are, you shall, your descendants shall be. As numerous as the stars, that's how many your descendants will be. Look up, Abram. Get outside your situation. You messed up. Get back to me. Get back in line with me. Look again. Look up. Look up and see your descendants. So shall your seed be. He gives him an image. He gives him an image of the descendants. Not an idea of the descendants, but an image of it. And now in Colossians 1.15, look it up real quick. It says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Very powerful. Jesus shows us that God is like the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You got to look again. That's what Jesus is. He's the image of the invisible God that we can't see. See, this is the challenge for everyone I guess under the sound of my voice, online, here in the room, there is a way that God sees you because he formed you. There is a way that you see you. There is a way that others see you. That God sees you, that you see you, and that others see you. Example, I mean, I got, obviously we all have mirrors in our house. I don't know about your mirrors, but mine lie to me. You look at it and you're like, what is that? You got weird lines under my eyeball. Man, my face is, I had to shave because my mirror was lying to me. I had to shave it down a little bit. Saying I had white hairs and stuff. I was like, what the heck? You lie, devil. I'm 40. Two. Leave me alone. God, the sheep are being loud on the left side over here, Lord. <laughs> 42. 42. Speaking of 42, Dad, how long are you going to be married? I'm 42. You know, Mom? Gosh. They're going to celebrate February 14th, 43 years. 
How do I know that? Because they had me before they got married. And then felt convicted and said, I got to get back in line with God. We need to get married, even though they were on drugs. Something aligned them and said, God said, look up. Look up. There's a promise for you. You need to get it together. Look up. Look up. Look up. And I was born in May. They were married, obviously, right before I was born. And just got it back in line. And then had to make some decisions. But back to the mirrors. They lie to you because they tell you that, like, you know, well, maybe the collar's off. It makes it look like something's whack, something's messed up, and uh, nobody wants to face the mirror. You know, anybody got weird mirrors at their house besides me? I'm not talking like the circus funny mirrors that make you look real short and real big and long and real wide. Those look like they're in my house too sometimes. (laughs) Like, it depends on, oh my God. You just want to open, hide the mirror real quick while you get dressed. Um, <laughs> struggle's real. But <laughs> those mirrors are, uh, can mess you up a little bit. How many of uh, had people around you make you feel a certain way about yourself? You ever had somebody around you make you feel a certain way about yourself? Sometimes like you look in that mirror, but you've had people that have been around you make you feel a certain way. See, when Moses was coming into his identity, his assignment, he had to deal with the fact that he was really living two different images of who he was. When he was coming into the main identity, he had two different images. Remember, God is using Moses to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt and the oppression of Egypt. When Moses first Uh, starts to take action on his impulses. He does the right thing, but he, he does it the wrong way. He defends the people getting hurt, but ends up murdering an Egyptian. So he's ahead of his time, out on his own. He's doing the right thing, but the wrong way, and still doesn't know who he is yet. And it's difficult for him because he doesn't really fit in either group that he's living with. He doesn't know who he is yet. The Hebrews are the people he was born from. The Egyptians are the people he was raised from. But he identifies more with the people he was born from than the people he was raised by. So he really doesn't fit in. And when you don't really fit into either group, you end up running. When you don't know your identity and you fit into either group, you end up running. That's what happened to Moses. He confronted an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew one day and he killed him and buried him. He was beating a Hebrew and, and Moses jumped in and ends up killing the guy and then buries him. The next day, he went out and saw two of his brothers, two Hebrews, fighting. And he was like, break it up, guys. Break this up. We're suffering enough than for you two to be fighting amongst yourselves. We don't need to be killing each other. And this is in Exodus 2.14. I want to show you real quick what it says. He's saying, now break it up, guys. 
And then in Exodus 2, the man said back to him, who has made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. Surely the thing is, is known. And he ran, and he ran, and he ran. And what's crazy is we don't really see him in the next stage of his assignment until 40 years later. He leaves Egypt and runs off, and he's gone for 40 years by himself. He ran because he was too Hebrew to be an Egyptian, and he was too Egyptian to be a Hebrew. And when you don't really fit into either one, and you don't know who you are, you'll spend your years of your life running from who you really are. Looking in the mirror of your last mistake. Running, not having the answers and just running. I don't want to deal with it, so I quit. I'm out of here. When confronted, you get frustrated and you're out of here. We see that today in society. You know how many people go through job and job and job and job and job and keep running and running and running and always blaming somebody else, but you're the, the prime middle of the whole equation? That's interesting. And so he ran, and he ran, and he ran. And see, what he said was right. The guy said was right. Who made you? Who made you? Telling Moses, who made you? See, if you don't know that answer, you will, if you don't know that answer, you will hand other people your mirror to show you who you are. I don't know who I am. You tell me who I am. If you don't know that answer, you will hand it over. And I'll tell you something about people. People rather define you by your worst mistake. And what's crazy about Moses is he killed a man, and there's only one verse in the entire Bible that talks about that murder. Now, you heard two different things just real quick. Look again. Abram, before he's Abraham, gets a promise, sleeps with a, a different woman because he's in a hurry to get the promise, and his wife don't think she can produce, and still God wants to use him. Moses is, is, is murdered a man, buries him, and runs for 40 years, and God still wants to use him. Now, what's your deal? No matter what you go through, no matter what, and it's not an excuse to sin and stuff. We go through stuff, but God still wants to use you. Wow. Don't do it. Somebody said they were going to dump Gatorade on me after this sermon. We're going to hug. Everybody's getting it. What's crazy about Moses is, like I said, he killed, and it was only one verse that talks about it. Now, what's crazy about that is, like, let's just flip the script real quick. Because now if the church, if church people write the Bible, they would have a whole book about Moses' situation. There's one verse about it in the entire Bible. But give a church folk the Bible to write the Bible on this account, you're going to have a whole book on it. 
The whole book on it. Uh, the book of Moses' murder. The book of uh, Moses' mistake. The book of those lowest moments. The book of... And what's today's reality? The book of so-and-so's divorce. The book of so-and-so's anxiety. The book of this person's depression. The book of... In, 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 in messed up situation. And they're writing books all about it, but they ain't moving a muscle to help them through it. Come on, church, man. This is this Super Bowl Sunday. That's better than anything. Because it's the reality, and we got to realize, we got to look in the mirror. Is my words coming out of my mouth that are going to be holy and are going to do some great work? Or are they going to cause great damage? See, God doesn't see you through your, the lens of your mistake. He sees you through the lens of his grace, church. He sees you through the lens of his grace. And he looks at you and, and sees the finished work of Jesus Christ in your life. Look again. What do you see? It should be Christ that dwells within you. That's what you need to see. I need to see Jesus. I need to see Jesus. Have you ever thought about the fact that if they didn't make you, then they can't define you? And that should set somebody free. If they didn't make you, they don't get to define you. Only my maker can define me. Quit living by other people's approval. Quit giving them your mirror and thinking, well, what do you think I am? How do you think I should do this? Who's your creator? Look again. You see Moses standing in front of the burning bush. And God's like, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to use you. You're going to be the one I use. Now, I just told you, Moses ran. He never turned back. He, he buried a man. Killed a man and buried him. And he took off running. And isn't it crazy that in your worst, lowest moment, you're still going to find God? He's going to find you right where you are. He's going to find you right in your lowest moment. That's what I hate, that people have this concept about church, that you've got to have it all together before you walk in these doors. God will put it together. Get, just get in the room. He says, Moses, I'm going to use you. Use me? I just killed somebody. There's no way. I'm going to use you. You're the one who has a conflicted identity and so many mistakes. You didn't really believe in yourself. But I'm going to use you. See, he, he, if he would have used his brother, his Egyptian brother, that would probably feel like he has it all going on and got, getting it together. There's no room for God to do anything when somebody's so prideful. That's why he's, he's using somebody that might feel broken or, or, or that humbles themselves so he can lift them up. Because if you lift yourself up, he humbles you. But when you humble you, he lifts you up. And we get this all backwards. Thinking that see me, notice me. Don't you want to get to know me? No, I don't, actually. Because you try too hard. Just let God do something. Let it be natural. And so I, 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 think, about the tr I think about you. I think about you might be standing in front of something that God is speaking to you. And it's burning inside of you. But you can't re really locate yourself because, honestly, you don't fit in. 
to either group. You don't fit into really, I, I, I guess I would call it like churchy people. And, and you're not churchy enough, but you're really not worldly enough. Because the Spirit of God is on, on the inside of you, and when you try to sin, the Spirit of God is telling you that you're, there's something greater in you. So you don't know where you fit. That's, uh, sometimes with salvation that happens when people are trying to figure out who God is and, and trying to figure out where they fit. And, and there's times that people that know God and they're like, I just don't know where I fit in all of this. You're, you're, kind of, you're kind of righteous and you're kind of ratchet. If you don't know what ratchet is, just talk to somebody younger. Or I can just tell you what it is. Uh, sassy, smart aleck, smart mouth, nasty, meaning, childish, rude, crude, disrespectful, argumentative. Anyway. Uh, but you're kind of righteous and you're kind of ratchet. You're, you're kind of of a worshiper, but you're kind of of a, a, a kind of worry, uh, worldly. You're, you're a worshiper, but then you're worldly. Um, you don't know where you fit in. You, you worry, but then you worship. You're, you're kind of organized, but you're kind of chaotic. You're, you're kind of powerful, but you're kind of petty. Come on, church, I'm preaching to somebody. Like, I don't know where I fit in all this because I, I, I feel like I'm this and then and I feel like I'm this. And, and I feel like I'm this and I'm, I'm, I'm not too worldly, but I'm not too churchy. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say to you? I'm preaching, come on. I'm a little bit of both. See, your self-concept is in the development. And this is when it's very important who holds your mirror. You're, it's in development right now, but who's holding your mirror? Look again, who's holding your mirror? Because if, if the wrong person shows you is holding your mirror, you'll get a distorted image of yourself. If the wrong person is holding it, you have a distorted image of yourself, and then you'll start matching your life to what you see in your mind. Who's holding your mirror? That, and, and I think that's what Moses did because God was like, I got a job for you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to give you everything you need. And Moses is like, well, okay, uh, there's one problem. Uh, I, I, uh, I can't speak. I, I, I struggle to talk, so I clam up, so when I get, I, I get stage fright, and I don't, I, there's no way, I mean, you're saying you're wanting to use me, but I can't do this, and what he's saying is, it's, which mirror are you looking at? What God's trying to say is, which mirror are you looking at? So if you look at the mirror of, of what's missing, you only see what's not there. What, what are you looking at? And that's what Moses did. Uh, Exodus 4.10. Put it up there for me. But Moses said, Oh my Lord. O-M-G. O-M-L. <laughs> I'm not eloquent. Either in the past or since we've had this spoken to your servant right here in this moment. I'm slow, 
slow to speak and of tongue. Oh, my Lord, do you know who I am? And, and, that, and I think that's the problem we face. You really have two voices. You have what you're looking at as your, your failures, and you're like, I, I, I can't speak. There's no way. And then God's over here saying, but if you can see me through you, you can do, all th- you can do this. You can do this. I can speak through you. I just need a vessel. And you over here looking at yourself say, I, 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 I'm not a good speaker. You have no idea what I just did. You don't even know my path. But I, I really can't communicate well. That, that's not going to be. And I think that's what happens is we look and, and, and one saying, you can do this. And in your mind, you're saying, I can't do this. And God's like, you can do this. And, and, and you know that there, there's this thing on the inside that it feels like I can do it and I'm supposed to do it. And I can make it through it. But I got something else on the other side that's saying, uh, I'm not a good speaker. Uh, even in my past, I'm not a good speaker. Uh, I, you know, I got saved and, and I read slow. And uh, I got saved and I feel, I, I don't even feel like I'm intelligent enough. I don't even know where I would begin in the word. I don't even know what I would say. I got saved and I, st- I still got memories of the past. I can't do that. There's no way you're going to use me like that. No way. I can't do that. I got saved, and I love God, but I still have trauma in my life. I still remember stuff that happened to me when I was younger, and that's been going on in my life. There's no way you're going to use me because there's trauma still dealing with me in my life. I'm talking to anybody that's breathing. Because we're always held by our, our, our problems. Every time something good comes up, you think about the negative that you dealt with so you, don't, you can't get it done. God's trying to break you of your negativity. I'm not saying that what you went through is not bad, but he's trying to break you to start thinking positive. Because that trauma, yes, it's going to be there, and he will continue to cover it. But when you start flipping it and looking again, you'll use your trauma to glorify God. But if not, you'll still hold your trauma, and everybody will identify you as your trauma instead of the God who helped you through your trauma. Man, so good. I've got saved, I love God, but I'm limited by my experiences. I don't have the experience to do this. God's like, I need to use you. I'm not what you think I am. God's answer is so so good. In the next verse, he says, next verse, 411, just the front part of that. Who made your mouth? I don't even have to read the rest. Makes him mute, deaf. Who made your mouth? Today, Junior. You know, like, who made, I'm the water boy. You know, like, who made your mouth? Because you are saying that you identify the fact that you can't talk so you can't communicate to the people. But if I'm the one who formed you and made your mouth, you can say anything. Who made your mouth? Who made your brain? I'm just weird. What if you're not weird and it's just the world that's weird? That seems about normal now. (laughs) It's not me, it's you. (sighs) Got to be careful who I look at when I preach because you're, 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 you're like a mirror. Who made your mouth? 
You got to be careful because it's like a mirror. So you're, you're watching. It's a, it's a mirror. I read this thing. It was so crazy. That they discovered that, uh, that a lot of primates and all humans are soft-wired with mere neutrons. A little, little science lesson here. Going to school real quick. So our brains actually experience the same emotion that someone else is watching. If you're tuned into them, if you're locked in, your brain is experiencing the same emotion. In this research, they talked about, obviously, they have to do research and use animals and stuff. So they used, they got it from a monkey who was watching a man open a nut, and they hooked it up to, to his brain, and, and, and they saw the same brain activity in the monkey's brain that was in the man's brain who was opening the nut. And they realized that all humans were wired with such mere neutrons. I experience your reality by watching you experience it. Hear me real quick. I experience your reality by watching you experience it. So this is why parents, when they get mad, kids feel all that stuff. They feel all that tension. It's called mere neutron. Neurons, sorry. And so here's what happens, worship team. Here's what happens, Misi. Here's what happens, Jen and Jen and Renita and Daniel and Jeremy and Brandon and Debbie. Here's what happens. While you were singing, worship team. Look how he lifted me. The blessing and open space. My heart is an open space for you to come and have your way. I'm open. While you were singing this, somebody out there was going through a battle that they've been feeling like they were losing. See, what happened was that God put you, worship team, out here as a mirror. And now all of a sudden, they feel victorious when they saw you worshiping God. When they saw you worshiping God, they didn't feel like at first they had the victory, but why they were shouting the victory, oh, look how he lifted me. His grace and mercy is my testimony. Church, I'm trying to tell you something. When you start shouting what God is doing and you start worshiping, the mirror image of it is going to shift somebody else that is experiencing what you're experiencing in the room. That's what I'm saying. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord. I'm experiencing what you're experiencing. I might have walked in looking a certain way and feeling, feeling defeated, but when I saw you lifting him up, when I saw the blessing coming off of your mouth and in your praise, it illuminated my soul to reflect what you're saying. That's why it's important for you to praise. 
That's why that if you praise where you are in this seat right now, it can help somebody else free beside you. That's why we make that deep connection when we hear something and we're talking. We, we emotionally connect to stuff. Whether it's sad or funny or whatever the case is, we're going to magnify the Lord together. It's, it's, it's just as faith is contagious. When you heard of somebody getting in the water and they said they left cancer in the water, that's contagious. That's contagious. But so cynicism. If you've got cynical people holding up your mirror, you always feel small. You always feel smaller than your challenge, smaller than your giant, smaller than your addiction, because you're not looking at your God. You got to look again. God's not done yet. His mercies are new every day, church. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. That's the word. Amen? That's the word of God. One thing about a mirror is it always shows you the image in reverse. God knows how your situation turned out. God knows how your story ends. God knows what he put in you. I believe this message is going to change somebody. Because maybe you've been looking at the wrong mirror. Been looking in the, at the wrong mistakes. When your mistakes are your mirror, you stay on the outside of Canaan even though you have the strength to go in. When your mistakes are your mirror, you stay on the outside of the promised land that God gave you even though you have the strength to go in. Not because you're small, but because you see small. Not because you're small, because your vision is small. You've got to look again. And some of the spies came back. Remember, Moses dealt with rejection his whole life. Trying to kill a baby, putting him in a basket, taking him down, the, trying to have somebody adopt him, and going through all the, always dealing with rejection his whole life. So a lot of the times when people don't accept you, it's because they have rejected themselves. Not all the time, but a lot of the times. When they don't accept you, they've rejected themselves. And this is really important. Everyone accept, acceptance is not a blessing. Hear me. Let me say it again. Everyone's acceptance is not a blessing. Be careful who you accept. We know that for a fact when we go on the social media. Accepting a friend request. Not all of it's a blessing. Because the majority might just be looking in the wrong mirror. Ten out of the twelve said we can't go in. Spies. Ten out of the twelve spies said we can't go in. Ten out of the twelve spies said they're too big. Ten out of the twelve spies. There's no way. What they said is we, uh, we went to the land, Moses, and uh, basically 
These spies became mirrors, a mirror for the millions of people that had a promise from God and haven't possessed it yet. They were the mirror to go into the land to spy it out. And, and this is why it's so important who you hang around, who's around you, what you take in, what you look at. Because you become who you behold. Who do you hang out with? What are they speaking into your life? So the people are given a report that they're like, hey, it's a great place. The land's rich. It really is flowing. Brought you some grapes. They said the grapes were so big they had to carry them on, on a pole. Now that's some grapes, man. I'm just telling you right now. When you have two people carry some grapes because they're, so, they're huge grapes on a massive cluster. Look at what we found. Look what is on the other side. Our promise. This is a piece of our promise. And I'm telling you, I they was like, you know, it's splattering everywhere. When you don't want your kids to do that while you have your nice outfit on. You know what I mean? Like, take two steps back, take a bite, you know. <laughs> Look at the prompt. This is just a small, and we were spying, so this is a small example. We brought back some grapes. But here's the problem. See, then they stopped looking at God, and they stopped looking at grapes and started looking at giants. And they started talking about giants. If anything's giant, it's the grapes on your back. <laughs> like, do you remember God's promise? And when you look too much in, into that mirror, and when you look at that giant as a mirror, you saw yourself as grasshoppers. We're like grasshoppers. You're looking at the giants as a mirror, and it looks like you're a little grasshopper. That's what they said in, in the word, that, they, that there were giants... In the land, in Numbers 13, 33, there, there were Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who, who come from Nephilim. They were giants in the land, big and strong. We seem like ourselves, like grasshoppers. Not what God seemed that you seemed. Not what God seemed, but he, he said we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. See, most people see God real big. Most people see God real big. Even those who barely believe in God really see him as just big, great, big God. It's not how big you see God. It's how much you believe that God is in you. <clears throat> it's how much you believe that God is in you. We seem to ourselves as grasshoppers to them. See, our reflection determines our reality. What are you looking at? What do you seem to be like? It's our reality. And watch this. This is they were giants that were too big. God promised us the victory, but I guess we can't go in the size of the giants. Why don't we reverse it? Because he's looking in a reverse. 
He's looking in the image in reverse. God has already promised us the giants. He's already promised us the victory. The giants are so big. If the giants are that big and God has promised us the victory, if is what is coming against us is that great, how much greater must God be within me then? If God promised me the victory, how much greater is God in me if I see a giant that I know I got to destroy? Because what does the word say? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Amen? So if I see a giant, it doesn't mean that I'm going to be defeated. It just means that God's going to be even greater in my life. But if we look at it like, oh my gosh, look at these giants. We look like grasshoppers to them. I guess the size of the giant is proof of the size of God in my life. Thank you, God, for letting me experience the challenges that big. Because it's going to show you even bigger. And that's what he's looking for. See, God is trying to use your enemies to show you how valuable you are in his kingdom. And why would you let your enemies hold your mirror anyway? Who cares what the sons of Achan look like? Who cares what the giants look like? Who cares about that? I just watched him open up a sea. I just watched him put a pillar of fire at night to keep me warm and a cloud by day and feed us with some birds every single day. You see what I'm saying? Who cares? Who cares about it? I just watched us carry all this gold. That we had nothing and we have everything. And now we got grapes. We're hungry. When's the last time they ate grapes? Honestly. That was something that was in the palace. And God's like, look over here on the side right here. Those are all for you. Because you're my child. And that's what Caleb said. Caleb was basically like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. We can do it. Ten out of the twelve were like, we can't do it. Caleb and Joshua were like, Oh, we got this, man. These giants are big, but I promise God is big. We just watched what he just did. These grapes are huge. We can do it. We can do this. Caleb's like, shut up. We can do it. Shut up. I can do it. Sometimes you just got to shout it. Shut up. I can do it. Might set you free. Shut up. Shut up, mind. I can do this. It's in the word. Caleb said, he silenced the people. And he said, our God is with us. Bottom line, our God is with us. We've already seen him deliver us from so much. Our God is with us. And then that's when he's like, look, Joshua, I know you're rolling these lots around on the ground and figure out who lives where. And uh, God gave me a promise that I would live in a high place. I want Hebron. I want the high place. That's what he told me I could have, and that's what I want. Don't roll the dice on me. I know what his promise was. I went to the promised land. I've seen it. And we're living in it now. And so you're choosing to pick where these people rolling the dice on them. I don't need dice rolled. I already know where I'm going. Hebron was 3,000 feet above sea level. I want Hebron. 
3,000 feet above sea level. Church, above sea level. Above sea level. See, you've been living at sea level for way too long. Way too long. You've been looking in the wrong mirror at sea level way too long. Way too long. You've been consulting the mirror of your flesh, making decisions that is going to be devastating in your future. You spend 20 minutes putting on your makeup and making sure your outfit's good. And how many minutes have you spent in this mirror? That changes you from the inside out. Like James said, it's like a man who looks in the mirror and leaves and doesn't even realize what he looked at. Look again. I can't run around to people who are struggling with their own sense of self to determine my. I can't. They're struggling with their own sense of self to determine what myself is. I can't use that situation either. I love why. That's why I, I, I love Caleb because he's 85 years old. Is this good, church? I'm almost done. You didn't got nothing to do till 5 o'clock anyway. But <laughs> I know we're hungry. Is this good? I'm almost done. This is so powerful. Caleb's 85 years old, and he's walking up. I still got it. I still got it like I got it when I had it back then. When I went and spied out the land, I could go spy out another land. I'm 85 years old. I'll still fight. I'll still tear him down. I still will do it. I still got it. I still got it. Church, look at somebody and wake them up and say, I still got it. Go ahead, because they got to wake up. Oh, welcome home. I still got it. If they don't know what you're talking about, wipe their drool off their face and say, we're talking about church and we're here. <laughs> I still got it. I still got it. And it feels good to say it. I got it. I don't care how old you are. You got it. I'm, I got it. Talking about faith. I got it. See, the wilderness can do one or two things, church. It can kill you or it can make you stronger. Caleb said that all that I went through, I didn't get bitter. I, I didn't get the wilderness in me. Did you hear what I said? I didn't get bitter. I didn't get the wilderness in me. You're talking about a guy who said, we can do this. And they had to run 40 years around a mountain because everybody else didn't believe him. Now, how bitter could somebody be? you got to be kidding me. But he had to stay faithful to God when it didn't look right in the situation. He had to keep looking and look again and look again and know that God is still faithful to do it. Through all that I went through, Caleb said, I didn't get bitter. And even though I went through the wilderness, and in fact, everything I went through over the past four and a half decades only served to convince me that much more, that I still got it. That if, 
if God promised it to me back then and saw me through back then, I don't want to live in the level of my feelings anymore. See, the problem is, is you, you're at sea level and, and you see too low. You settle too low. Some of you all settle in some weird relationships. Man, you're a, you're, you're a child of the king. Quit dating peasants. Uh-oh. This leg hurts when I'm squatting. Let's go. You, you, you settle too low. Your friendships, you settle too low. Because when I say you settle too low, it's because you start blending in with the world and nobody knows you're a Christian. And God's like, I'm going to take you to a high place. That's why Caleb said, I want the high place. I need to be above sea level. I need to be seeing something above it. We settle too low. We, we settle for that old template, that, 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 the old religious view, the way we used to be. How, it's just how I am. This is just my pattern. They, that might be true to an extent, but God can do something great in your life if you allow him. It ain't like we're waiting on God to do something. Why would you say that? Just waiting on God. Wait, what? Waiting on God? He's knocking at the door of your heart. He's waiting on you to open it. Hello? Hello? Look again. Look again. Whoa. Settle for the old script. Settle for the old emotions. Feels good when you get back in that. That feels real good, huh? You settle for it. You settle for it. I talked to somebody on the, uh, that I, I, I met, and they were like, yeah, I'm trying to struggle, and I got a kid that's been, been vaping, but it's hard to say anything because I still smoke cigarettes. I said, well, what's stopping you? Well, it's just a struggle. I said, but what's stopping you from stopping? It's called settle. So it's got a hold of you. It controls you. It dictates your emotions because if you feel a certain way, you've got to hurry up and run out and go smoke it. I'm not saying you're going to hell because you smoke cigarettes. I'm just saying you smell like hell. Good. <laughs> smell like you've been there. Kiss an ashtray. It's weird. <laughs> Keeping it real. 100. 100. 120. The reality, yes, the reality is we can do more things with our mind than we think. When we settle, we give it an excuse. And then we live by the excuse in every other area around us. And so it could be just one, but that one can turn into another and another and another and another and another and another. And then our whole life is an excuse. And then that's where you got to go back to what, how, how can I break these, these change and these habits. Don't settle. And, and you know, we, we had that talk, and, and, and I said, you know, and I said, I'm praying for you. I know you can do it. You're stronger than you think you are. But what's stopping you from actually just throwing it in the trash can as we leave anyway? I told somebody one time, I said, just throw it out the window as you leave. I'll go pick it up. What's stopping you from getting in this car and throwing it in our, in our yard? Yeah, it's littering, but I told him to, and I'll go pick it up. The point I'm trying to make is I can say no, no more, no more. It's in a lot of areas. They've been bound for so long. They've been praying about being free for so long. 
I mean, prime example, you just heard this week that 6th Avenue just closed. You know how many people back in the day from the 80s have been praying over that building, saying something has to change, and now, it, and now it's changing? That your prayer request that has been for, a, seems like ever ago, how many have been praying for over 20 years about that building? Seriously. You see what I'm saying? And it's like, why didn't you answer it then? Why didn't you answer it then? I don't know. Somehow everything worked out the way it did just now. It's just not even about the building. It's about the people that are inside the building. That's the souls. Building's going to come and go. It's the souls that's in it. I got to finish. Okay. And God says this, let me make you in our image. Daniel, go ahead and just come up. Where are you at? Did he come up? Okay, wherever he went. When God said I am, there's so much I want to say. When God said I am to Moses, and basically he's saying I am, and people don't get that. I am. He's like, that's my name. I am. I am what? Everything. I am that I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a healer. Think, anything you can think of, I am. I'm a provider. I am. God said, I want, I want to see myself in you. I put that on the back side, Daniel, on there for you. I want to see myself in you. You are as I am. I want to see myself in you. You are as I am. That's what a mirror does. See, God wants to see you. He sees himself. He sees himself. He sees his son. Christ is the image of the invisible God. See, you got to keep looking until you see Christ. Like I've, I've said it many times, you might be the only Jesus that somebody sees at work. The only image. I think he's playing in the key of E. Sorry, I could hear it. It's you know who you are if the message has resonated in your soul in a personal way. And maybe you've been looking in the wrong mirror. That's why we've kept saying the last, look again. And, and I'm saying it again one more time. Look again. You've been looking at all the other situations and other people have held the mirror of your life. I've told you a couple stories of how God's still trying to use people. So you've got to look again. He wants to use yourself to reflect Him to the world. And he's going to give you stuff. Some of this is going to be giants in front of you. 
There's going to be stuff that happens as you reflect Christ. There is going to be stuff. Giants in front of you. Some is going to be giants inside of you. See, David was good at killing giants as long as they stood in front of him. It was the one inside of him that took him out. Some are going to be short-term, some are going to be long-term. If you're going to look in the wrong mirror, you will always feel small looking in the wrong mirror. But if you will learn how to worship and get in God's Word and believe the promise that He spoke over your life and get in that mirror and get in that mirror, you're going to see God do an amazing thing in your life. You're not going to win over insecurity looking in the mirror of Instagram. You know how many people look on social media all the time for their identity and what they're struggling with to win it over? You're not going to do it. Who holds your mirror? And that's only going to show you what you're not. What you can't. What you won't. But if you get in the mirror, this mirror right here, you get in the Word of God and you start reflecting who God is in you. I'm telling you, the Word of God can do something for your spirit, church. It can make you stronger in your spirit than the enemies are in your situation. The Word of God can. You've got to look again, church. Look again. I want to do something different real quick. Vea, can you come here for a minute? I thought about this, honey. You're wearing the chief stuff like your mama. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have you sing with Daniel. I know we did this on Thursday, and this resonates so well. I wasn't going to do it like this, but I think I want to do this. I believe that when you sing, that it's going to be that, that mirror neuron that's going to reflect, and it's going to move the heart of the people. It's not about you, and nobody's really heard your voice except youth in the back. It doesn't matter. It don't matter how you sound and how you don't sound. It's just all that matters is that you give God your best. And when you look in the mirror, that all you're going to see is Christ. And when you see Christ, when you deliver a song, all they're going to see is Christ within you. They're not going to see you because it's not about you. See, when we lead worship, it's not even about any of us. It's always been about him. And I think this is on and ready and all that. And if you could, if you could put her in like one of these monitors, because she'll be back there with him. And it's all back there, and I love you. Stand with me. I'm gonna, we're going to close, in, and I'm going to have her sing with him in a minute. Let me uh, finish this. I, I want you to stand. I don't want nobody moving around much. I want, you, I want you to hear that this is the most important part of this whole thing. 
We're going to get out of here and we're going to have a good day. But until we look into this mirror and we look again, uh, if we leave with the same way we came in, there's going to be a problem. We're going to keep on dealing with what we're dealing with. The Lord said that this word would hit deep in those that need it. It would hit deep into their hearts. For those who have seen to see themselves according to their past and have been looking in the rearview mirror at something that has happened and are about to wreck in the face of their future. Been looking in the mirrors and about to wreck in the face of their future. And he said today he wanted to give you a different mirror, church. A different mirror. See, Caleb said, I'm not just settling for a lot in my life. I'm not just settling for depression, anxiety, or any of those labels, or any of those diseases, or any of those things that have been trying to be labeled on my life. I am not settling. I want the challenge. I want the altitude. I want the opportunity to prove God again. I want to live in a high place. I want to be higher in myself. I want to be stronger. I still got it. I still got it. My faith has tested for 45 years. And I still got it. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of it. It proves that God is with me. And I've still got it. Because I looked again. And I, and I looked. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You got to visualize it, church. You got to see it, church. You got to see yourself free. You got to see yourself set free. Even though you don't feel free. Even though you still keep running back to lesser stuff. There's a higher purpose for you. Above sea level. There's a higher purpose for you. See, I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're 25, 45, or even 85. I don't care how old you are in this room. If this has hit you in the depths of your soul, if this has hit you deep, then I'm going to pray that you come up here and just spend time and, and with God for a few minutes and look again. Look again in the mirror. I'm going to have them sing, and I just want for a few minutes before we leave and enjoy the evening and all the stuff that's going to happen, take time. If this has hit you in any certain way, come up here and spend some time up here and look again in the mirror and see what God is going to do. There's a promise for you, and your promise might just be at the front here if you just take the steps. So I'm going to invite you to come. Listen to this as you come. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child.
Sing that over yourself. I am. I am a child of God. I am. I am a child of God. I am free. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you just be with us, God, that we look again, God, and we're not hailed by our circumstances, that only you hold the mirror and that we don't let anybody else hold it. We're not surrounded by all that other junk, God. God, you created us, you define us, nobody else, that we stand strong. God, I thank you for what you have done. You have adopted us into your family. That we're your children. And we're part of a kingdom. That we're royal. You are the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And you are our father. And when we look in the mirror, we see it. Look again. Look again. Jesus. 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 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Look again. Let Christ be the one that dwells within you and the one that people see inside of you. Be with us, God. Thank you, God, for your, your word. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for worship where we can reflect you. Thank you that we can behold your glory as we look again. Thank you, God, for your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. We love you today. Make sure you get your roses today. Hug somebody's neck. My wife wants you to 